Welcome back to the Cattle Menu Podcast. I'm Caroline Rose, the founder and CEO of K Rose Company and Cattle Menu. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I'm excited to bring you these conversations each week filled with relatable advice and techniques you can take back to your operation. It's my mission to make sure that we can ranch in the next generation. Make sure and subscribe where you're listening so you never miss a new episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Ketamine You Podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Rose, and today we are answering your guys' questions. So I have Jordan with me, and she is going to ask me some questions as a reminder Jordan is the Cattleman U Management Director, and she's also the Project Manager on Ranch Camp. So if you have kind of interacted with Cattleman U, you've probably heard from Jordan or seen some of the stuff that Jordan is working on producing. And we asked on TikTok if any of you had any questions for a Ask Caroline Anything episode, and you guys did. So I'm going to pass it over to Jordan, and she's going to get started on the questions. Perfect. Well, I got to spend the day with Caroline yesterday going to the sale barn and shipping cattle in the country. So a lot of these questions have to do with that topic. So we're just going to start in the sale barn with when buying cattle at the sale barn, what do you need to look for as they're going through the ring? Okay, this is a pretty weighted question. So... To me, the fir- the very first things that I look for when they come in the ring is obviously whether they're steers or heifers or bulls because immediately it changes my ticket and it changes who I'm buying for. So that's the very first thing I look for. And you would be very surprised. We find steers and heifers a lot in the ring. I mean, you have to really look at that. So that's the first thing. Of course, you want to look at quality. And I kind of do a quick quality look, like are these choice or higher cattle or are these value cattle? And that's really all I need to know at the very beginning. Um, You always check ears and tails and you're looking for lumps and bumps and eyes. And so you kind of do this one over as they're walking in. And then a lot of times I will sit up like straight and look in at their feet in particular. So it's like I've looked over the whole animal, I've looked at color, I've put them in a quality department, I put them in a gender department, and then I really study the feet because there can be obviously a lot of feet issues in the sale barn. And so it's almost this game in your head when they're coming in. And how I do it is I have a price. So if they crack the door open and they say, you know, here are some steers and they're black steers. In my head, I started a price and I'm either adding to the price where I'm going to bid based on quality or I'm subtracting based on issues that I see or reasons why I think the cattle have lower value than some of the standard cattle. So I hope that helps. The next question we have is, can you tell us a little bit more about the Angus feeder grid program? how it works buying cattle in the country, and kind of the slides and the contract buying. So all of the grid programs are done at the packer level in partnership with the feedlots. And so the thing that I have found is each feeder 
has a different contract relationship with the packer. So we used to send a bunch of cattle to Kansas to feed. And that relationship between them and their packer, they sold on a standard grid kind of no matter what. And so each feedlot has a different relationship with the packer. So if you're looking at marketing your cattle in a program that would matter to the packer, such as GAP, you know, any of the grid programs, anything like that, the biggest conversation is with the feeder. Do you have this in the contract with your packer as a premium? Is this a possibility or no? And so that's what I would look at. And you can ask your order buyer that. They'll know where these cattle are going. And then when we talk about country contracts, so it's a little bit different, of course, than buying on the video or buying in the sale barn. Kind of how it works in the country is a ranch offers me their calves. And so I have to have all the details, right? Headcount, color, weight, shots, whether they're weaned or not, when they ship, where they ship from, what the weighing conditions are, kind of this whole deal. And once I know that, then I can kind of, I call it shop the kettle around. So I take all that information and I call the feeders on my contact list and say, I have a set of calves you might be interested in. And the very first thing the feeder says to me is, what do they have them priced at? And so a lot of times ranchers are hesitant to price their cattle. If I don't have a price, that feeder's not interested. And so we have to have some type of starting point on price. And then you price them around. And if a feeder says, well, I'll make you an offer. I'll offer them X. I call the rancher back and I offer them that price. And if they're both say it's a deal, I write a contract and I send, I get a deposit down payment from the buyer and I send a down payment to the seller. And then I show up on delivery day and write a check. When we talk about the slide, I know there was another slide question I think coming too. The best way to think about the slide is as the weight increases or decreases off of the contract weight. So if the contract weight is 650 and the cattle come in at 700, we slide the price down based on the weight. And same thing if the contract price was 650 and the kettle came in at 600. If there's a two-way slide, we slide the price up to get to the weight. So the slide moves the price one way or the other to make the kettle more equal to market value. So this next one wasn't really a question, but more of a statement, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. So this commenter said that they had done both weaning and not weaning and got the same price at the sale barn. Their barn didn't let the buyers know the difference. How can you advocate better for them to tell the full story at the sale barn? I see this happen all the time, to be honest. So you have to remember the sale barn's job. The sale barn's job is to be the agent for the cattle, which means they can use the information that they have to market the cattle better. But if they don't feel like the information is going to be helpful, they make that judgment call. And sometimes we still use paper in the sale barn. So every single set of calves that comes in the ring, they are passing a piece of paper down the alley that goes to the auctioneer and goes to the clerk, which I was thinking about that just this week and last week. There has to be some type of better system, but I'm sure that will be invented someday. Um, 
And so just think about that, right? I mean, sometimes the paper gets to the clerk after the auctioneer started. The best way to advocate for your cattle is to watch them sell. You have to sit in that ring. If they don't say the right thing, you know, if it's not the right details, you got to stop the auctioneer. And I know it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of confidence to stand up and say, whoa, 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 you know, you didn't tell them about the shots or they've had all the shots or they've been weaned. But it does really help. The other thing is if you can show up a sale or two before and let the buyers know that the cattle are coming in the ring. I've talked about this a little bit before, but when cattle come in the ring, I have one phone call before they've sold. And so if I don't have any idea that they're coming, I get to make one call if I want to bid on them, if I don't have an order for them already. And so if you give me a week's heads up, I can make five, six, ten calls. I mean, I drive, right? So you have to give the buyers an opportunity to do their research ahead of time if you really want to see the premium or you have to hope that the sale barn does that marketing for you. But weaned and unweaned, there oftentimes is not a value difference. It's a preference. The way you lose cattle when you attempt to wean is when they're weaned for 48 hours and you bring them to the sale. And you can tell they're starting to get sick or you haven't weaned them long enough, or you weaned them and you didn't give them shots. But, you know, you have to have the right buyers in who are looking for weaned calves, and you those buyers have to have the right order. So I would suggest making sure that the sale barn has you on early consignment, showing up a sale or two before with a piece of paper. People do this to me all the time at lunch. Piece of paper, details about your cattle, and kind of some identifying marks. So like they have pink ear tags or I double tag everything or, you know, something like that. So I can, when they come in the ring, I can say, oh, I remember this and hand that to the buyer and then sit through the sale and stop the auctioneer if they don't tell the whole story. Are you trying to find the right planner to start the new year with? Look no further. We've created the Cattle Menu Planner for ranch wives, mothers, and daughters who are looking for the perfect place to capture all of their thoughts throughout the year. Our planner is the perfect guide to help you get your operation started. In the Cattle Menu Planner Paving Your Path, you will create the foundation for your operation, set goals, and learn how to implement them. We've included our customer favorite blank calendar pages so you can start when you're ready. Grab yours today at cattlemenulive.com backslash planner. Going back just a little bit, can you tell us a little bit more about what GAP is and why it has the highest premium? I think I need to get an expert here on the podcast to talk a little bit more in depth about GAP. But GAP is a verified program that you have to have your facilities approved and you put in electronic ear tags. And there's GAP levels one through four. And they all kind of have different things. And to me, morally, GAP is kind of towing the line because one of the GAP programs doesn't allow you to use dogs. And that's a huge part of our operation and I think would be a huge detriment to the agriculture industry if we started to verify cattle who had never been around dogs because they're so valuable and we all know labor shortage. I mean, that's a whole conversation, right? But So GAP, the big thing about GAP is it allows a lot of those cattle to go to 
China, other countries like that, that have a demand. And it is still the largest premium I see at, there was someone on my TikTok who disagreed with that. The reason why I think it's easy to miss the gap premium is the cattle have to be sold early because there's not very many feedlot spots and not very many harvesting spots that can take gap cattle. So they have to kind of be sold early and you have to have a buyer for them. So a lot of times I see people put gap cattle on the video, but that rep doesn't know a gap buyer. And so it's really challenging because it's like, if you're selling ice to Eskimos and they don't want to buy ice or they don't know how to use ice, of course the value is not going to be there, right? And so you have to find a buyer that has gap contacts, but my gap contacts, you know, usually it can be like a 20 to 28 cent premium. And so it is the largest premium. I do think that that might not always be the case, but that has been the case in the last couple of years. And again, it's kind of a rare gem. I mean, you got to have the timing right. You got to have the buyer right. It's not one of those premiums like two rounds of shots where everyone feels like they're extra valuable. They're only extra valuable to the right buyer. Another verification program question is, can we sign an all natural and age source verified affidavit without going through a verification program? Technically, no. You hear the auctioneer say a lot, they'll sign the all natural paperwork. And I really struggle with that statement because to me, the program cattle need to already have the paperwork and it needs to be done ahead of time and correctly so I can market them properly. I think all natural, they will let you do a homemade verification and let you say they're all natural. Um, at least that's what I'm seeing in the sale barns is the sale barns can kind of make an all natural program and then the rancher can sign off on it. Agent source definitely has to be third party verified through a verified program and they will give you a certificate that talks about your agent source verification. Our last two questions. The first one is, do you think the cattle market will be better if I held my calves until spring or sell them now? Well, this is a whole episode also question. Um, well, if I had, you know, uh, if I could see into the future, then I probably wouldn't be buying cattle. But if we look at a standard market, we are either at the top or nearing the top of a bell curve. And so it is going to come down. I don't know if we're quite at the top yet or if we're close. But at some point, this market is going to soften pretty significantly. And I always think about, you know, do your cattle make money now? Are they profitable? Do they pay all the bills? Is it going to work for you to continue ranching the next year? The thing about holding your cattle out into spring, into, you know, Christmas, is if you lose one calf to illness in a storm, you just lost all of the opportunity that you were waiting on. I think the market's pretty good right now. It's actually gotten a little softer in the last couple of weeks, supply and demand, of course. But I think if we see a couple good days rally on the board, I'd probably sell them because just like it went up, it could go down. And it could trend down pretty rapidly. If you think, visualize, I'm a very visual person. If you visualize the bell curve, 
that drop off is pretty steep and it's going to happen. I know everyone says, yeah, we're still short of cattle. I get all of that. And we're a little early. Usually we hit the top in a five, in a four or a five. So we're a couple months early from a standard, you know, area where we could hit the top. But if you can make a good profit on them, you know, over $150, $200 a head, cold hard profit, I would sell them. Our last question is give us a projection. So we want to hear your thoughts on the cattle market, specifically with the possible talk of another lockdown coming and people are starting to sell their calves off their cows right now during this season. Again, crystal ball, probably be doing something in the stock market and making a bunch of money, but it, the cattle market is cyclical. And even though it kind of surprised us, it hit, you know, it rallied really hard, really fast. If you take a step back and look at it from an airplane view, 50,000 foot view, every 10 year cycle looks the exact same. Now, I am most worried about a black swan event, and that's what I keep calling it, is the events out of our control, the packing plant burning, the COVID, the war in Israel, you know, that's what I worry about, those black swan events. One of our risk management strategies this summer was to allow the upswing but protect against the black swan. And we talked about that in our family meetings a lot. We don't want to remove the option for profitability, but we want to put a trampoline down there because if it comes crashing, it's going to be hard because we are higher than we've ever been, right? The higher you are, the harder you fall. So I think we have another year of good prices because of inventory. I think we will hit the top and we will come down. Now that is without a black swan event. If we have something out of our control, which this Israel thing that's happening makes me nervous. I mean, the cattle market is very finicky. And I don't know, you know, any of those major export countries that take a lot of U.S. beef, any of them get into war, they're going to change the type of beef they're getting right? Because now we're feeding soldiers and trying to, you know, get cheaper protein in them. So I think if, if we control every other factor, we have another good 18 months, 12 to 18 months. With other factors, I get a little nervous. So a few things that I probably wouldn't do is buy a ton of really high-priced bread heifers or replacement heifer calves or bread cows. I think there's opportunity. We I bought some bread cows yesterday at the sale. Jordan was with me. That I think make a lot of sense compared to where the market is. I mean, they were young bread cows that cost less than a yearling steer. And they were good. Total herd dispersion. That felt like a very safe move for me. To be honest, if I was buying bread cows to put back in my herd, there were some that made even more sense after that. I, of course, top the market on those, but I wouldn't go crazy. The other thing that I see, especially when I'm talking to my seed stock producers, is you need to plan that these bulls in this spring, these fall and spring sales are going to cost more money. 
the Kobolds are bringing 3,000. That means the Good Bulls are going to be bringing more than they did last year. And so don't waste all your money, your extra money, your profit on, you know, bread cattle and not be able to buy Good Bulls. And I just, the bread cattle deal makes me nervous. You buy a $2,000 replacement heifer who you're going to breed in the spring. So you're going to feed all winter. You're going to breed in the spring. She's not going to have a calf until 2025. No matter what way you look at it, I think the market's going to have softened by then. And that calf's not going to sell till fall of 2025. And she costs 2000. That means that calf, you know, has to bring probably 1800 too to even get close to having that cow be profitable throughout her life. And that's just rough numbers, but that's very risky to me. And so I think there's ways to capitalize on a good market like this. I think there's ways to bury yourself in a good market like this. And we probably have a couple, you know, a little bit more of this sweetness, and then we're going to see it fall. And the beautiful thing about the cattle market is in 20 33 2034 we're gonna see it come up again and it's gonna be even higher than it's been now okay i think that's all the questions hopefully this was helpful and fun i'll ask jordan later if she learned anything and if you guys have any more questions i love to kind of share day in the lives on tiktok and they get shared on instagram as well so i'd love to answer any questions for you We'll probably do another one of these. There was a lot more questions. And so just something short and sweet this morning. So thank you guys for listening. Thanks again for listening to the Cattle Menu Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. We are thankful to have you in your community. Like always, remember the grass is greener where you water it.